Welcome to the Tea Podcast, bringing you the best in news, entertainment, celebrity gossip, social commentary, humor, and LGBTQ lifestyle. This podcast is part of the Urban Wire Media Network, where we shine the light on issues impacting the urban community. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher. occasion, whether it be for an anniversary, birthday, special event, etc., Seize Treats has you covered. Seize Treats LLC uses the most freshest items and the best chocolates, caramels, and products in the world. Every bite of Seize Treats will leave you wanting more. She's located on the west side of Indianapolis, and you can connect with her on social media. She's on Facebook and she's on Instagram. Reach out to her via email at seastreats38 at gmail.com or you can contact her at 317-664-2609. Hey, I have a question for you. Are you too busy to keep your chores done? Well, leave it to Crystal Clean. Crystal will help you keep your place clean, balanced, and in tip-top shape. Crystal will arrive fully equipped with her own cleaning supplies, positive energy, and ability to work some beautiful magic into your life. Keep your home, your sanctuary, and take away some of that stress and worry. You can message her or text her directly to schedule a service. 
at 317-603-5897. Crystal is now specializing in residential and office cleanings, and she's also now servicing Central Indiana, Hamilton County, and Greater Indianapolis. Check her out today. All right, y'all, we are back with another edition of the T broadcast um, brought to you by the Urban Wire Media Network, where we shine a light on issues impacting the urban community. Now, I know we've been on a hiatus for a little bit. Um, it's been a lot going on, a lot of good things going on. Um, finally, are moved into our new place. So, um, yeah, we were able to get back into the swing of things. I tell you, this has been one heck of a morning and afternoon. Like, I, I got a story for you in a little bit of something that just took place right before we got on air. Like, as you can see in my background, I have my fish fish aquarium. I don't think you can really see it, but one of my fish got stuck, like, in one of my vases. So we had to, like, crack, like, one of the vases in half so he can get free. Like, my Florida guard back there, he got stuck, but we were able to rescue him but like yeah this my florida guard i've had him for almost 10 years and he's outlived all my other fish so we were able to get him rescued he's a little stressed right now but he's swimming around so i think he'll be fine yeah so that's just our little story for today i was like oh my god this is a horrible time for this to happen but we were able to get him loose loosen up and get him situated so so I'm going to jump to our panel. As always, I have my partner in crime and partner in love, Jonathan Crockett. And over hey. here, we have uh, Miss Ethan, Miss <laughs> Ethan Chris. Yes. So what do you guys been up to? I know um, I was just telling them about our um, new endeavor as far as our um, adventure in home ownership. Yes. Yeah, and it's it's been it's been one wild ride. Yes. It's been a fun wild ride. Yeah, yeah. So Ethan, what have you been up to lately? Um mostly uh working, travel traveling a lot for work lately, which has been really good. Uh, visiting a lot of places, also traveling with y'all. Mm-hmm. Do we done we've had some fun adventures on this um break that we've taken from this podcast. So um yeah, I've been very fortunate to uh, share in the adventures with you. Yay! Oh, yay! Yes, Atlanta yes. was very fun. Yeah, I'm so glad all of us went. I wish I wish someone else could go with us. And speaking but, of someone else, we have um, one of our old veterans, Philip. Um, he's in the background. He's just listening. Singing in the background. <laughs> yeah, he's he's in our audience today. So we want to thank him for coming in and um, supporting us. Yes. Um, let me get uh, get through some housekeeping things really quick before we jump into our broadcast. Um, some of the things that um, we're going to talk about, we, we have some really good topics, but I want to remind you guys that you can support our broadcast um, via cash app at dollar sign urban wire, which is on the screen. Um, we, we have a lot of things that we're trying to do in the future. So we would definitely um appreciate your support um i am going to be launching urban wire media talk radios so we're going to be working on that towards the end of the year um going into next year so i got things um in the works for that also um to think what else we have going on yeah you can follow us on our facebook group page um just look us up under the urban wire media network and that should uh, pull that right on up 
and that way you can keep keep up you know um in the loop with what's going on as far as like um new shows that are coming out um videos everything that we have going on um with the urban wire media network and then you can also subscribe to our youtube channel at www.youtube.com forward slash ucofw and also you can listen to our podcast on demand after i you know edit everything down like um this episode should be available by monday um, you can check us out on Spotify, Twitter, Google Podcasts, Apple um, Music. Um, I think where else like uh, Pandora. We, we're on all the major podcast networks, so definitely support us. Just look us up under the Urban Wire Media Network. And I think that's it as far as the housekeeping things are concerned. So we're going to jump right into what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, we have a lot of juicy topics. There's a lot going on in the world of entertainment, politics, and just social commentary. Um, one of the stories that we're going to jump into tonight is dealing with O'Shea Sibley. Um, he was the young man that was brutally attacked in um, Brooklyn, New York. It was a hate crime, and we're going to get into the details of that and how Beyonce paid tribute to him. Um, also, we're going to talk about the whole entire Lizzo debacle and she currently has three ex-dancers or employees that was working for her that are coming out saying that there's uh there were it was a hostile work environment and they were accusing her of sexual misconduct and sexual harassment so we're going to delve into that um michigan just pa passed a hate crimes um, legislation where um one of the provisions is like um there's protection over um, people misgendering people or using the wrong pronoun. So we're going to get into that and we're going to see well, is this law really kind of like out there? I mean, is it is it over the top? We're going to get into that. Also, there's a pastor in Detroit. While we're in Michigan, we're going to talk about a pastor in Detroit, Albert Weathers. He was found, um, well, he pleaded guilty for a hate crime. Well, he killed a transgender um, prostitute up there and he is now pleading guilty for this crime four years later. So we're going to delve into that. Um, if you guys have been following the news, you've probably been hearing about Carly Russell. She was the nursing student that was involved in a hoax where she, she pretty much got everyone in a tizzy. They thought that she was missing, and um, it was all a hoax. So um, she's now being charged for that. We're going to delve into that. Um, also, we're going to talk about hate crime bills, uh, well, not hate crime bills, but bills passed this year that attack the LGBTQIA. You'll be surprised how many bills that are um, being passed that are attacking our community. And we need to we need to kind of discuss what can we as voters do to, to combat this issue. And we're going to have a whole lot more issues, too. Like, I mean, we have a lot of topics that we're going to discuss today. And then in our second half of the show, we're going to discuss a couple things. Like one of the main topics I want to talk about in the second half of the show, um, which will probably be re-aired later on this month, we're going to talk about allies. Now, we've talked about this show on our show before earlier on um, when we first started the podcast, but I want to revisit this topic as it relates to um do we really have allies as far as the LGBT community? 
is concerned, or do we have a lot of opportunities these days? So we're going to delve into that conversation because I think that we need to kind of um, make sure we understand the difference between what a true ally is versus someone that's just trying to ride the coattails of the gay community. And also, I feel like our community can be opportunists too sometimes. So we're going to delve into that. We're going to have that difficult conversation. So um, with that being said, before I jump into my topics, I want to see um, that you guys see anything in the news that you would like to discuss. Oh my God, there's so much. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't even know where to start. Yes. Ethan, um, you want to go first? Well, I was just, um, well, I don't know. I was, um, the aliens, we can talk about that. Nanner, <laughs> nanner. Nan- nan- my biggest thing and like um one of the things that i saw on tiktok recently you know they had to hold a whole hearing to validate that you know ufos are real and aliens are real and it's official now and all the stuff it's like yeah but you know instead of focusing on that because i really don't think as far as i see on social media that the public doesn't really care so much as about you know just you know us deciding or holding a whole hearing for that, spending money on that to hold a hearing for it, our tax dollars, whatever, rather than focusing on real issues, making, you know, making, you know, you know, putting money towards actually helping the American people, making real change. And hmm. like, you know, well, why don't we, one of the uh, things that I saw on TikTok that was like, that's all good and fine, but when are we going to put an age limit on members of Congress? <laughs> that was a bit, I laughed. I was thinking, like, when are we going to start like really investigating Jeffrey Epstein? Yeah. Oh my God, today. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, did you guys? I know this is kind of off topic, but did you guys hear? I didn't know that um, Kevin Spacey they um, acquitted him. Oh yeah, that's yeah. Recent. That was kind of like fascinating. But do you think with him being? Um, Acquitted, do you think that they'll allow him back into mm. Hollywood? Because that's a lot of stuff going on in Hollywood right now. Uh, I mean, it. I guess it would depend on what really would t- would accept him at the, at this point. Because based, you know, from all of that going on with it, like it's, I feel like that's damaged his yeah, he's severely damaged his. Yeah, he lost a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I would say that he's persona non grata at this point. Especially with his reputation with, you know, the gay community as mm-hmm. well. Like even even though he was found not guilty by his peers, um, mm. I think that he's he's pretty well toast at this point. Yeah, I agree. And and it's really unfortunate too, because he he's re- he's a great actor. Yeah. Um he's probably done some questionable things, of course, you know, we all have. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I, I think that I think time's going to tell at this point. Yeah, you can't. Once you screwed, you can't get unscrewed. Yeah, yeah. I would say it in another way, but you know we have to keep this PG thirteen. <laughs> so um, yeah, like we're going to jump into um, our first story today. Um, for those of you that have been following um, this story, um, this took place in Brooklyn. There was a young man, and he was actually a professional dancer by the name of O'Shea Sibley. Um, he was brutally attacked um, when him, him, he and his friends were um, after a night of you know partying and stuff. They were right at a gas station and they were kind of just having fun. You know, he was voguing to um, actually Beyonce, one of Beyonce's songs or on one of her re- on her recent album, and that's why she she paid tribute to him. But we're gonna get to that. But 
Yeah, there was like this 17 year old Muslim kid. Don't let me call him a kid because you're 17 years old. And if you're that old to, you know, if you can do the crime, you're going to, you should be able to do the time. Like, no, Wait, you're talking about the right person who stabbed? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. He was a 17 year old kid. And they say that he was Muslim. So he was like pretty much extremist. And they were saying that the Brooklyn police, they know. Who, who the person of interest is. They know who the person is, but he's still... Um, actually, this is kind of breaking news. Really? Yeah. Uh, this is from Fox 29 in Philadelphia. Um, a suspect in the deadly stabbing of O'Shea Sibley during the confrontation of a New York City gas station has turned himself into police, according yeah. to law enforcement sources. All right. That's good news to hear. Well, we're going to go to a couple clips, though. Everybody knows, can get some context mm -hmm. about um, what took place. And then when we come back, we'll further discuss this, and then we'll move on to our next story. The urgent manhunt for the killer of a professional dancer in Brooklyn. Police are searching for a suspect they believe is captured on video stabbing O'Shea Sibley, who had been dancing to Beyonce's music and what authorities say they suspected LGBTQ hate crime. Eva Pilgrim is here with more. Good morning, Eva. Good morning, guys. O'Shea Sibley's friend saying he was his murder was an attack on his very existence. He was simply, as you mentioned, dancing to Beyonce and Queen B speaking out about his death, her music, and now public statements elevating stars and regular people in the LGBTQ plus community now in mourning. This morning, the LGBTQ plus community, family and friends honoring O'Shea Sibley, a professional dancer brutally murdered for dancing at a Brooklyn gas station. O'Shea, he was so loving, so kind, such a vibrant spirit. Sibley's friends say he was voguing, a unique dance birthed in 80s Harlem ballroom culture. Voguing is a repetition of fashion poses, basically. Um, that's how it started. According to his friend, Sibley was voguing to Beyonce's Grammy-winning album, Renaissance. The superstar learning of his death, posting a tribute on her website. Rest in power, O'Shea Sibley. Sibley was a dancer and choreographer who performed at Lincoln Center. He danced as part of an all-queer dance group, as well as at Alvin Ailey and the Philadelphia Dance Company. He was just spectacular to see move on stage and he always made us everyone in the room feel confident confident like we could do it sibley's murder happening the same night of beyonce's much anticipated new york stop on her renaissance tour welcome to the renaissance her tour sparking celebrations not just in new york but around the world The platinum album widely applauded for highlighting the cultural contributions of the LGBTQ community and connecting Beyonce to her LGBTQ plus fans in a new way. Drag performer Kevin Aviance, one of the artists Queen Bee showcased when she sampled him on Pure Honey. That's my technique. Uh, that's my, that's my, that's my We got passed out. And then when I listened to it again, it didn't dawn on me that she was just using my performance. That right there was the game changer for me. Beyonce's music resonating with Aviance and countless others, including O'Shea Sibley. Now, Sibley is the fifth LGBTQ person killed in recent weeks. Glad responding to his death saying Sibley's shocking murder follows a disturbing rise in violence and harassment against LGBTQ people across the U.S. This cannot continue. 
one no one should have to fear for their safety just for being themselves. And of course, this is still an ongoing investigation. Yeah, and our thoughts are with his family and his friends. Thank you so much for that, Eva. Really appreciate it. Are on the hunt for a suspect in a gas station murder that they say may have been a hate crime. CBS News' Elijah Westbrook has more now from Midwood, Brooklyn. This clear surveillance video should help investigators make an arrest. It shows a group of people dancing here at this mobile gas station Saturday night when a man walks up to them and allegedly makes homophobic comments. Police say an argument ensues leading to a deadly stabbing of 28-year-old Sibley O'Shea. He pulled out a knife and he just stabbed him and he ran away. This man, who didn't want to be on camera, tells us he tried to break up the fight. I told them, you have to leave, don't fight. This deadly stabbing happened outside this gas station on Coney Island Avenue and Avenue P at around 11.15 Saturday night. I said, what happened? That my friend was so shocked. He was like, he couldn't even talk first. I came over to check. They said, like, back off, back off. There's someone dead. Delivery worker Safar Safaro was working Saturday night at the gas station. Those pumping their gas here and Safaro say this is normally a safe area, but now Safaro is proceeding with caution. O'Shea's close friend tells us that they were coming back from a birthday celebration that night before ending up here at the gas station. He also tells us that O'Shea was part of the ballroom community, predominantly comprised of LGBTQ plus men of color. He was just a fun, loving, beautiful person, like energetic. He's very protective of his family. Like all he promoted was just love. This circumstance is like ridiculous. Like he wasn't a part of no gangs. Like he was out here. At, like uh, it was a night of fun. The NYPD's hate crime task force says it is continuing to investigate this matter. In Midwood, Brooklyn, Elijah Westbrook, CBS2 News. All right, we're back. Um, this is just a very unfortunate and sad situation. Um, it goes to show you, like, even in progressive states, like, um, such as New York and um, bigger cities, like, like even in 2023, we're still not safe as a community. And we, we definitely need to bring awareness to this um, situation. And I feel like we need, we as the LGBTQIA community, we need to do more um, as far as, like, we, 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 argue and bicker amongst each other about all this silly stuff as, as far as like, um, well, you you misgendered me or how, you know, we, we argue about so much stuff, but we have real life, life and death situations like this where we're still being attacked and brutally like um, murdered out here in these streets. And I just feel like we as a community, we have a lot of power. And instead of like, bickering and arguing about trivial things we need to bring awareness to things like this because this stuff is still happening you know and you can't say well it's the older generation that's like this this boy was 17 years old like this is not like gen a z yeah gen z so the the hatred and the bigotry is not going anywhere so we have to definitely bring awareness to what's going on. We have to speak out against this and we have to push these legislators to pass these hate crime bills and not only pass them, but enforce them because I feel like with this guy brutally attacking um, O'Shea Sibley, he shouldn't even been out on the streets as long as he has been. So um, I just feel like with our community, they move 
move flow slower to react to things like this. Um, and we're going to talk about a story later on where a trans woman was killed by this pastor and she's just now getting justice, which I don't even think is much of a justice because it's only 10 years that he's going to possibly get. But it's four years later and she, her family is just now getting justice. So I feel like we need to stay on these um, legislators next about this. We need to make sure not only they're passing legislation to protect our community, but making sure they enforce the legislation. So I didn't know what you guys think about this situation. Yeah, you go first. Okay. <laughs> um, I know you started watching this with me on HBO Max, a documentary called Last Call. It's really good. I just finished it yesterday. And it's a documentary about these um, out gay men and closeted gay men who were being murdered and not just, you know, stabbed or a bullet to the head. No, they were being dismembered and their bodies were being, you know, strewn about in like New Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York, wherever. And this was all in the early 90s during the height of the AIDS crisis. Mm. Um, and it just makes me think about that um, where there are, you know, and it's just not those four gay men. It's like all sorts of, you know, lesbians, trans, um, what have you. And it still takes courage to be who you are in this society. Mm -hmm. um, it just still shocks me to my core that in this day and age, in this time, like, this is, this is 2023. Mm -hmm. We're very quickly approaching 2024 and there is still homophobia there's still murder there's still um not even just in our community there's you know sexism and you know transphobia and all this all this stuff that's still going on to this day and then you know people in our congress and in our government that just do not care what is happening to these people because of their own self-interest mm -hmm. um Oh, I've lost my train of thought. But one of the biggest things that, well, I lost my train of thought. It's not. Um, <laughs> it happens. It happens. Um, but it's not, oh, what I was going to say is it's not just in the, I mean, in this particular situation, it's not just the, it's like the, the, the person who this act, you know, now that he's turned himself in, made this decision to murder this person because he hated he didn't even know this person and he hated this person so much for what they were doing and who they were he decided to to murder this person and now it's ruined his life he you know his life is ruined now because now he's going to prison and he's going to for he died probably because he murdered somebody so. i think a conversation a difficult conversation um you need to have too is like and i know you want to avoid this because you want to be politically correct. But do you think that these um, religious groups, such as Muslims, do you think they should come out against these uh, extremist uh, pockets of, I don't know, like with, within their religion, do you think that they should um, come out and stand against this? Some of them have. Oh, wow. There are, at least in the, from what I remember in the past, extremist Muslims and there are more moderate Muslims and 
it's like the extremist voices try to overpower the moderate voices. Um, and this is definitely after 9-11, where a lot of the moderate voices were trying to, you know, speak more about, you know, love, peace, acceptance, this, that, and the other. Right. And, and the extremist parts of the Islamic Muslim faith was just being drowned out. Yeah. Um, you know, unfortunately, this takes time. It, it's it's not going to be fixed anytime soon. It's going to take, it might take a few generations. And, you know, we all may be gone by the time things start to get better. Well, what's, yeah. what's shocking also is like the Muslim in Islamic faith was founded on peace and, mm-hmm. and nonviolence and, you know, acceptance and things, you know, so when you have extremists and terrorists and people who commit these heinous crimes in the name of Muslim faith is mm-hmm. disturbing. But this, it's, it's no different than Christianity because yeah. we think what uh, they've done with Christianity, they've used it as a tool to um, denigrate They've used it as a tool to um, marginalize other groups of people, um, women. Um, They've used it, obviously, here in America. They used it to justify slavery, um, racism, genocide, genocide, Mm -hmm. all of that. Like, you know, and we have it really takes the people within these um, communities or these um, parishioners or people of faith to come out and say, hey, we condemn these actions. You know, regardless of how you feel about someone living um, their truth or living the LGBT lifestyle, that does not give you the right to take someone else's life. Like what happened to thou shalt not not kill? Or, you know, we're sitting up here judging people, you know, and then half the people that are doing this, it always comes out 99% of the time that these people have uh, feelings of, you know I mean? They're dealing with same-sex attraction. So we really have to look into this and we have to to speak out as people, you know, as a group of people, you know what I mean? Because we can't, we, this, this is just sad that this young man's life was taken for him living in his truth. It's not like they were bothering anybody. They weren't doing anything lewd or lascivious or whatever you want to say. You know, they were just living their truth and having a good time. And for this man to attack him, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this guy sexually suppressed. You know what I mean? And it's just, that. yeah, so, you know, we have, it's, it's just a sad situation. But we're going to move on to our next story. Um, our next story is dealing with Lizzo. Now, for those of you that have been followed this, following this case, Lizzo um, has three former dancers or employers that uh, employees that were working with, with her on her tour. Um, they are now coming out and filing a lawsuit against her, alleging that there were um, instances of... Um, sexual harassment, and um, just just a toxic work environment. And we're going to delve into this conversation a little bit. Um, We're going to go to a clip involving this. And then uh, when we come back, we're going to discuss this in detail. Because I have some opinions about this. I really kind of think that it could be just some disgruntled employees too. But I'm going to let you guys be the judge of this. We're going to go to a news clip so we can get some... um, context to this and then we'll come back with the rest of our commentary. 
In her silence over accusations of sexual harassment and a hostile work environment, the singer is denying the claims of three of her former dancers. And Kelly Carter spoke with the accusers, and she joins us now with more. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, Rebecca. On Thursday morning, I sat down with the three Lizzo accusers and their attorney, and they gave more information about what they say was a hostile work environment while on tour with the pop star. You can see a public figure, um, and all you know about them is what they present to you when the cameras are on and the cameras are rolling. This morning, Lizzo's accuser speaking out and reacting to the Grammy winner's response to the lawsuit she's facing. Don't text me and tell it straight to my face. The Truth Hurts singer writing on Instagram, these sensationalized stories are coming from former employees who have already publicly admitted that they were told their behavior on tour was inappropriate and unprofessional. How do you guys respond to that? Like our experience and our pain and not mm -hmm. just us three, but for the many women that have, because it's mainly women that have come mm -hmm. forward and said they felt the same or have shared their stories with us because they don't want to publicly share it yet. It completely kind of invalidates all of our experience and our trauma and our pain. Lizzo went on to write, I know what it feels like to be body shamed on a daily basis and would absolutely never criticize or terminate an employee because of their weight. Lizzo also said, there is nothing I take more seriously than the respect we deserve as women in the world. What is your response to that? I honestly just find it kind of sad that um, even with us bringing forth um, and shining light and speaking up on all the things that we were that we were feeling instead of being met with at least acknowledgement of our feelings when her brand is to uh, preach about women empowerment. Former dancers Ariana Davis, Crystal Williams, and Noel Rodriguez accused Lizzo of creating a hostile work environment weight shaming them and pressuring them to participate in parties with overly sexual atmospheres. In a statement to ABC News, attorney Marty Singer writing in part, the lawsuit filed by the three dancers against Lizzo and the other defendants is specious and without merit. He also provided video to ABC News, which appears to show plaintiff Ariana Davis filmed in April after the time these events allegedly occurred, praising her former employer. I look up to her so much and I just want to follow in her footsteps and I just want to share that with the Queen Lizzo herself. Davis says now. Our jobs are always being threatened. We, we never, I personally never had job security in this whole, this whole entire time. I was being booked for these one-off shows and um, all of a sudden I wasn't and then I was replaced with another dancer who was smaller. One question, how may these allegations impact Lizzo's brand? For these allegations to come out now, it goes against almost everything that she has publicly and very adamantly stood up for and stood against. And I think it's confusing for a lot of her fans. And though the pop star still has about 13 million Instagram followers, we should note that she has lost about 200,000 followers since the news of the lawsuit first broke earlier this week. Rebecca? And it raises some really big questions. A fascinating conversation with you there, Kelly. And we know that you will have much more of that coming up with the former dancers today on GMA3. Eva Pilgrim will be there. Thank you, Kelly. Well, hey,
there, GMA fans. Robin Roberts here. Thanks for checking out our YouTube channel. Lots of great stuff here. So go All on, right, click guys, the subscribe button right, um, over, right over here to get more of awesome videos and content from GMA every day, anytime. All right, we're back. Sorry about that. Um, well, as you guys heard, um, that was the uh, side of the dancers, and they kind of broke it down to what was taking place. There's so much to unpack with this situation. Um, I feel like fame it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword. It's a good thing, but then there's a lot of things that you have to take into consideration. I feel like a lot of times you have opportunists or people that will work with you because of your name, and then when things don't go their way, um, that's when you begin to get attacked. They'll start trying to come after your bag, and I kind of feel like at this point, I'm, I don't want to speak too much on the situation because it's early on in the conversation, but I kind of feel that there may be some clout chasing going on here because a lot of this stuff doesn't make sense. Like, why would Lizzo fat shame like her dancers when that's what her platform's built upon? It doesn't make sense to me. It's something else to this story. And I feel like, you know, I'm not going to say that Lizzo didn't have any wrongdoing. In this, in this situation, but something's telling me um, as the discovery process takes, you know, takes effect, I think there's going to be more that comes out about this because it's just something about this is not adding up. Now, if she did this stuff, then she needs to be held accountable for this. But I just don't feel that there's something that's just missing with this situation. And that's why I feel like you have to draw that line in the, in the sand when it comes to dealing with people on a professional level. You can never mix business with pleasure because this is the type of thing that happens. Because from what I'm hearing, that they were they were all going to the strip club or whatever, they all drunk and this, that, and the other. And you know, when you mix alcohol and business together, you know, even on like a regular everyday job, it's just not a good thing to even patronize and, and, and fraternize with your um employees because this is the kind of thing that can happen. So I don't know. What do you guys feel about this situation? Uh, Jonathan, I'll start with you. Um, <clears throat> so I read this from Vox.com yesterday, and I'm going to highlight two points. Um, and I'm going to read directly from this article. This lawsuit underscores the poor working conditions in the music industry and the lack of accountability that exists for such abuses. Long hours, physical labor, Difficult physical labor and short-term contracts are common, while institutional oversight of an individual artist isn't always present. Other artists, including Cher and Beyond, or, I'm sorry, Britney Spears, have been sued by their employees in the past for alleged discrimination and battery, respectively. For example, Cher's case was dismissed and Spears settled her case. And the other point is the suit is also renewing discussions among pop culture observers online about the need for stars to be held responsible for bad behavior and the disparity that continues to exist on that front. Like anyone feeling such allegations, Lizzo should face the legal process and potential consequences for any harm she's caused, but she's also likely to get more blowback for such a lawsuit 
than a white male star like Brad Pitt or Johnny Depp, who have both fielded allegations of abuse and denied them, would do to the sexism, racism, and fat phobia that she has to deal with. So, just like with anything else, um, I think there's going to be a lot of hypocrites. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that people are, like you said, clout chasing. And there's a lot of opportunists out there. And I really think that everything's just going to come out in the wash. I think, I think it's just too soon. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I just feel like there's too much coincidence, you know, mm. like when she, when they were saying, um, you know, like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm dancing with her and then all of a sudden I'm replaced and they just happen to be a smaller size. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're fat shaming Good the point. other person. That means that, you know, maybe this person is, you know, maybe a better dancer. They're more seasoned. They're willing to take, you know, maybe like a lower pay or something. There, there are so many reasons yeah. why this per, one dancer, one or two dancers are being replaced by somebody that just happened to look different than they do. So like the fact that they're using that as like to justify fat shaming, I don't think that's right. And did Lizzo, now, minus the, you know, going out to the strip clubs, the bars and whatnot, mm-hmm. but did Lizzo actively make a lot of these decisions if, if they're, if she is replacing dancers and stuff like that? Yeah, right. that's a good, that's a good um, point because a lot of times, I mean, even though they do have the ultimate say in what goes on, like, you know, they hire people that make these, these difficult decisions sometimes. So, who knows? Like, like you said, there's so many unanswered questions, and it's still early on. Um, so we'll just have to c- continue to follow this, and then we'll just, yeah. And so, there are a lot. There are also a lot of people advising her too, like you're saying, like you know, agent yeah. managers, you know, all all these people who are around her who are helping her make these decisions. So, yeah. Oh, okay. We I want to um um take a, a quick pause and um give a shout out to a couple people. Um, I guess it was an anonymous user, but they just wanted to just um, congratulate us on our endeavors, and they were just telling us to keep up the good work. So I just want to thank everybody that um, has been tuning in to our live stream tonight. I just I appreciate each and every one of you guys. I don't take um, your support lightly, you know, because if it's not for the if it's not if it ain't if it's not for the people, you're not going to have an audience to to talk to. So I really want to thank you. Um, there's another person that said hello to us. So um, obviously um, we've been reaching out to people tonight. I want to thank everyone and just continue to support us. Once again, you can support us financially um, at dollar sign urban wire, which is on our screen. And well, it was something else I wanted to say. Um, yeah. And if you also want to advertise with us or if you have a product or service, you can email me at s e harris 2 at gmail.com um right now we're doing a pretty low price if you want to um advertise with us or if you want your product to be um commercialized on our platform we're doing a low introductory price of 25 dollars a month so this will be a great way to just you know get your product and service out to a few more people and um it's definitely a good investment. More people are starting to pay attention to the platform. And once again, I just want to thank everybody for that. Um, now I want to move on to our next topic, dealing with this whole um, situation, dealing with 
the hate crimes bill approved by the Michigan House and how actually according to this article, which is um, from Channel 4 News um, in Detroit, they're saying that uh, the House wouldn't criminalize incorrect pronoun use. So I'm wondering if this is just one of those things where um, that misinformation had been passed along in um, the media. And I know you I have some so. information on that, Jonathan, if you want to discuss that. Um, I'm looking at a Newsweek article concerning this. And Newsweek seems to be under the impression, and I don't really know if this is an opinion piece or if this is actual like hard news, mm-hmm. um, but this type, this... Um, Headline reads, Michigan pronoun law is probably unconstitutional. And as I'm going through this article, um, it's mainly saying that um, this bill has been criticized on the political right due to the the focus on the gender identity part of the bill, which is only a fraction of what legislators would cover. I'm actually kind of in agreement that it is this probably would be a first amendment issue and it probably would find its way in the Supreme court. Yeah. Um, but if there's no mention about prone, like if someone intentionally is misgendering someone, like someone says, you know, my name is Sam. You say, well, that's Samantha. Um, is that going to be, penalized under Michigan law. And Mm. it doesn't like, from what I can tell, I mean, I'm getting two different looks at this Mm -hmm. and I honestly can't tell. Yeah. Well, this article that I'm reading over here says the um, house bill 4474 is among a package of bills that would expand the Michigan current hate crimes law. So I guess there's laws, but it's just um, adding on to this and um, it will protect uh, people based on their sexual orientation, gender identity or expression, physical or mental disability, and age. A person would be guilty of hate crimes if they maliciously or intentionally do any of the following. So these are the, the um, bullet points that they have in this article. Um, the first bullet point is if they use violence of another individual, um, they cause bodily injury to the other to another individual, intimidates another individual damages, destroys, or defaces any real personal, digital, or online property of another individual without consent of that individual, threatens by word or act to do any of those those actions. The bill defines gender identity or expression as having or being perceived as having a gender-related self-identity or expression whether or not associated with an individual's assigned sex at birth. According to the Department of Justice, the term hate can be misleading. When used in a hate crimes law, the word hate does not mean rage, anger, or gender dislike. In this context, hate means bias against people or groups with specific characteristics that are defined by the law. So, and then it goes on to say that uh, why wouldn't this bill make, make it a felony to use the wrong pronoun? Um, and then it says, while disrespectful and rude, a failure to use a person's requested pronouns would not run afoul of the proposed amendment to our hate crime laws for many reasons. 
and this is um what um a reason why they were saying this um it's because the hate crime law doesn't refer to speech but it's instead focused on conduct so pretty much as we were saying earlier this is more about um, are you physically doing something to this person are you attacking this person are you defacing their property so that's what i'm gathering from from this mm -hmm. because like you mentioned before if we start going in that direction it's going to open up a whole other can of worms and like you said this will end up in um the supreme court and you know they're going to talk it out and it's going to do more harm than good so i don't know who's been putting that narrative out there but obviously it's not um a factual narrative and it's not based upon um the law so yeah i don't know how you felt about that Ethan. No, I just, I mean, I mean, so, so much is changing in so many different states. And I know that uh, in Florida in particular, they just passed 200 laws overnight. And a lot of them Ooh. are, I mean, I can read a few of them if you want me to. Yeah, we were um, going to discuss this. So, yeah, that'll be a good segue into this. Okay. Um, well, here, here are the top, top ones that I was talking about. Um, let's see. So HB 1069, uh, rem reminder, this is in Florida, expands a 2022 law to eighth grade that um, barred instruction about sexual orientation and gender identity in kindergarten through third grade. Um, let's say imposes restrictions on which bathrooms, bathrooms transgender people can use at schools and public buildings, requires people to use bathrooms uh, that line up with their sex assigned at birth um prohibits colleges and universities from spending money on diversity equity and inclusion initiatives this is this is the third law sorry i'm not mm -hmm. it right um and then sb 1580 establishes a right for healthcare providers to opt out of providing services because of a conscience-based objection based on religious moral or ethical beliefs mm. so those are the top ones aimed at our uh, at our community specifically but yeah. It's just shocking. It's just, you know, it's like that, you know, one step forward, two steps back that our country is just seeming to do right now. And like I said, it's like we're in the future right now. This is 2023, approaching 2024, and we're still fighting the good fight. So, and what is Joe Biden doing about this? Like, that's what I want to know. Yeah. Like, I, what what is he doing? Like, you, it's just, it, it's a lot of things. And I don't even want to get into it because I just, I don't, Wouldn't even go there and go in on Joe Biden. Like, what do you? What is he doing? Like, you, you guys are in control right now. Like, why aren't you being more outspoken about this? I mean, you know, it's just, it's just crazy to me. And then I wanted to add to what you said, Ethan. And this was as of May twenty third. Like, we're we're in August now, so this is kind of outdated. But this is just to give you a frame of reference of how many hate crimes um, bills, not hate crimes, but anti-LGBT bills that have been passed this year. Um, they were saying in this article, um, which is from the Human Rights Campaign, they were saying as of May 23rd, there are over 520 anti-LGBT plus um, bills that have been introduced into state legislators, which that's the record, um, over 220 bills specifically targeting transgender and non-binary people, which this is also a record according to um, according to them, and also a record 70 anti-LGBT laws have been enacted 
this year so far. And these laws include um, laws banning, like you said, are we, were we reading the same article? Because they're saying some of the same things. Like, um, is, that, is it in Florida? Well, uh, the, the ones that I read were just in Florida. Oh, yeah. This, I, mean, yeah sure I think this is like a grand scheme. Of, yeah, it's a um, grand scheme. Uh, the transgender uh, yeah. using the bathroom assigned at birth. Yeah, that's yeah. one of them. And then they were saying um, laws targeting drag performances, um, laws requiring or allowing misgendering of transgender students, and um, laws banning gender-affirming care for transgender youth. So we have a lot as a community um, to to discuss, and I think we need to kind of put these schisms aside within our community because we know that there's a lot of division even within our our community, and we need to come together. Like I was mentioning earlier, we need to come together and speak out against things that actually matter. You know what I mean? Like um, this is this is like you said, we're going back backwards. Like all the pro- progress that Obama made, like it. It, it's just been reversed, and as as we can see, like nothing's set in stone. Like even with the whole situation of affirmative action, we thought that was something set in stone, and you can see how we saw how the Supreme Court just struck that down and dismantled that. So, like 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 we've said on this show before, like your rights are not absolute, and they're, they're not they're not permanent. Like you know what I mean? And it, that's why we have to get active in the political process because depending on who's in office they they have they they will pretty much run the rules of the game so we have to get politically involved and it's just not even for the lgbt community like any community i would even say for the black community we have to get involved because you can't sit here and say that this this and this is not getting done and you're not getting out here and vote and we need to quit just voting out of habit for one particular party because just because you're voting for someone that's Democrat does not mean that they have your best interest in heart. So I will say that too, but we're going to get more into that next time, um, next week on our podcast for um, the Urban Wire. But I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything else to add to that before we move on to our next story. Um. Yeah, All I, I just want to just echo what you just said is vote. Mm. That's what it's about. It, it's about voting for your rights. It's about your identity, um, yourself, voting for your self-expression, being allowed to do those things. And, you know, we live in a red state. Mm. And these red states, they are starting with either Florida or Texas. They are all tripping over each other to bring out all the these new anti-LGBT laws and Indiana is going to be one that is going to start introducing them in the near future. I can guarantee it um, because we're trying to bring together all the red states to. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And it's honestly not at the federal level that all of these anti-LGBT laws are being introduced. These are all at the state level and these laws do affect us. Mm -hmm. I'm going to underscore that. Mm -hmm. And I really do like that Michigan law um, in terms of strengthening a lot of the hate crimes that you had just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Um, There has to be something to counteract this. And it's going to have to, we're going to have to get people like Ron DeSantis out of office. Have to, Mm -hmm. have to. 
Um, and now the thing is, who's going to replace them? That's that's for another time, another discussion. Yeah. But it, we just we have to mm-hmm. vote, and unfortunately, because we live in a red state, you know, it's not it's these blue cities that are they're not getting out and voting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the issue. All of this can really turn around. Because I don't think, really think that there is enough in you know the rural areas, at least of Indiana. Um, but people in the rural parts of the state they vote, whereas a lot of the people in the blue areas of Indiana, they, do they have to be bothered by this? Well, let me ask you this: Do you think um, a lot of times too um, is it a political? Um, some of these voting, like some of the stuff that's been implemented, do you think that it's a strategy to uh, discourage people from the blue cities to vote? Like, do you think there's a concerted effort? Yes. Yeah, because they know that these bigger cities, a lot of some of these like red, red states, they're pretty much at the mercy of some of these bigger cities. And I, that's why I think a lot of them try to put in measures to discourage people to not vote or they try to put in um, stumbling blocks or put in yes. like things to to kind of make it difficult for these people to vote. So yes. that's what I, I say. You have to make your voice be heard. Like you, you can't allow just a minor inconvenience stop you from getting to the polls. You have to mm-hmm. do your part and you have to vote again. Let me say this. You have to vote for people that have your best interest in heart. Stop voting for these candidates they only come around when it's time to vote. Stop voting for these people that just take up space in the Senate or take up space. You know, they're not representing your district and you got to keep voting these people in. You keep voting for a party that does not care about you and that just only cares about your vote. You know, so we have to get involved. We have to become educated, not just stop voting straight party tickets. You know, we have to be more educated with our votes and we have to become engaged in the process. So that's all I have to say about it. That's all I got to say. Well, the one thing I will say is it's things like this in these states that are going to increase hate crimes and according to increase murder because the Mm. the people that are committing these crimes think that they're doing a, a service based off of the example that they get from their government. Yeah. So not only that, um, it's you know certain personalities in the media, mm-hmm. you know Tucker yes. Carlson's of the oh world God, and yes. stuff like that, um, and all of this has a history. Anita Bryant back in the nineteen seventies, mm-hmm. you know when a lot of the LGBT issues of that era were really starting to take effect, and then all of a sudden you have someone like her who is coming out there and you know trying to put a stop to a lot of the progress that we were making back then. Mm-hmm. So it, it it's, this cycle doesn't seem to end. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I think that's a good way. Um, good point to segue to our next story. And this story also comes out of Michigan. There is a pastor um, by the name of pastor Albert Weathers. That was just, um, that pled guilty of the murder of a young trans um, woman 
back in 2018. And word on the street is this pastor was known to uh, solicit transgender prostitutes. And he would uh, solicit their services. He would refuse to pay them. Um, they said that he was abusive toward, towards them. He would beat them up. It was just like all kinds of things that came out. And um, four years later, they, the family is just now getting justice, which is just disgusting. And from the article, from the video I'm about to play, you're going to see that they're going. He's only going to probably even get just ten years. That's it. And I just, I don't know. We're going to go to the clip um, just to give you some context of this. We've covered this story before. Um, we covered it last year. I don't think we covered it on the T. Uh, I think I covered it on the Urban Wire podcast. I know uh, uh, C and I were discussing this, but. Mm -hmm. We now have new breaking news about this. So we're going to go to this clip dealing with this, these pastors because some of these pastors are out here tipping and dipping, peeping and creeping, and slipping and sliding. So we're going to get into it after we come back uh, from this clip. Ed, I just wanted to hear him admit it. Jessica Williams lost her child to murder in December of 2018. Now, four and a half years later, Pastor Albert Weathers of Sterling Heights has pleaded guilty to killing 36-year-old Kelly Stow, a transgender woman leaving her body in the street near McNichols and Brush in Detroit, an area known for prostitution. Did you say a prayer with her before you left her out on the street like trash? You know, did you just at least hold her hand and tell you sorry? Kelly's family wants the world to know she wasn't some castaway. She was very much loved. It has been heart-wrenching. Yeah, Kelly was my first grandchild, and we had a bond, a serious, tight bond. I don't want her to be what society may have a picture of, of trans women of color, you know. They're not throwaways. They're not people who people have forgotten. You know, they, they all have a backstory, and I think that's something that needs to be realized. She was cared for. She she was loved. Born Tristan Stow, he was raised in the church, grew to be six foot four, got a scholarship and played college football, but left after a couple of years instead, wanting a career in fashion. I personally told her to be the best version of herself that she could be, own it, um, <laughs> just live your life and be happy. In school in Chicago, Tristan studied fashion and found a community of authenticity and eventually told her family she was transgender. People called her Kelly. I was glad for her. I was proud of her to, to own who she was and to be her true self. Why the pastor shot Kelly Stow in the early morning hours of December 7th, 2018, we may never know. But Kelly's family hopes Pastor Albert Weathers tries to make things right. He's facing eight years in prison for second-degree murder and two years for felony firearm. How tortured are you to lead such a duplicitous life? And to the point that you were willing to cover up what you did, Mm. By taking this line, mm. how dare you? Clearly, he's attracted to that population. Mm -hmm. So own it. Mm -hmm. Own it. Mm -hmm. And maybe change your life. Kelly's family grateful to the Wayne County prosecutor and Wayne County victim advocate for the transgender community, Julissa Abad, for sticking with the case that was finally about to go to trial on Monday. I am glad that there was a conviction. Um, justice was finally served. You just don't know the 
lives that people live. And it goes again to the social stigma that my community experiences, particularly trans women of color. Women like Kelly Stow, whose lives matter. My sister never wavered in her commitment to her child um, as a person first. And that's what I would encourage families to do. Look beyond the social stigmas. Stick by your kid, you know, stand with them. You know, you have them, they're yours, and support them. In Detroit, Amy Lang, Fox 2 News. All right, we're back. All I want to say, I want to start off and say kudos to that young lady's family and her support system because so many times, like, not even just trans people, but even um, gay, um, bi, and lesbian um, persons, they don't have that support su- that support system in their family. And kudos to her for having um, a family that was there to uh, stick by her and kind of see this this whole process through. So I, I really want to th- uh, say that she was very lucky to have that mm-hmm. that support mm-hmm. system and. I really feel a lot of times, even in the black community, which is good to see this, um, they loved her unconditionally. They supported her in whatever that she wanted to do because um, she had a full ride scholarship, like for sports and stuff like that. But she decided that she wanted to go another direction in her life. And the family was, hey, this is your life. You you know, we're going to stand behind you 100 percent. You know what I mean? And they they made some good points. You know, it's sad that. um the church has has just been, I don't know, I just don't know. It, it's really sad that this pastor is supposed to be a man of God, and he's out here living a double life. I don't know if you guys seen him in the clip, but honey, he's sitting up here looking like Bubba, and you could tell he's cheap. They say he wouldn't pay the girl. He wouldn't pay the prostitute. I can tell by that jacked up, that that jacked up haircut he had looking like Bubba, looking like looking looking like just I would just I don't even know what it is about these these people that just feel like they can just use and abuse our community and then just throw us away like it's nothing. And it's and it's kind of sad that even in 2023 that a lot of um trans women feel like that is the avenue that they have to take. Um even though there's been strides, you know, of them being able to integrate into the professional world and stuff like that. But it's sad that they still have to feel like that's their only outcome that they can or avenue that they can take to to support themselves. But that's another issue within itself. But it's 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 crazy. Like that's why a lot of people don't respect these churches. Like you don't live the life that you speak about, and then you're out here doing any everything under the sun. And this is gonna get into our topic here in a little bit. These people are opportunists. They're not allies. They're opportunists. They want to use our community. They want to use us for sex. They want to use us for everything under the sun, but then they want to throw us away and then they don't want to claim it. So um, I don't know how you guys feel about this situation. I'm going to start with you, Jonathan. How do you feel about the entire? Um, I do have a quick question. Did this guy, I'm trying to like find this, but. Did he use like this gay panic defense? I know no, he, he didn't use it. They, they they were saying in the clip they don't even know what right. They don't know his motivation. Yeah, they don't know his motivation. But chances are it was probably a 
situation that went wrong. And Kelly Stowe, they said she was a big girl. Like, she was tall. And yeah. the thing is, like, he thought he was going to probably, you know, play her. And it's because I heard this on Fox Stone, and they had, like, a good – um. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? They they had a good theory behind this. They probably he probably got into a tussle because like this Kelly Stowe probably was a big girl and she was an athlete too, and they it was probably a struggle and he had to kill her. So you know I just I feel like you know he's not going to tell the whole entire truth. You know what I mean? And then the, the sad part about it is you probably have people because that's how church people are. They stupid as hell. They're probably standing behind this past. Oh, yeah, yeah, he killed you. You know they will. Yeah. And they'll forget everything in the church except, you know what I mean? Like, they, they, oh, we don't, mm -mm. he's still straight. We know he he just had a little, especially these these pastors can do no wrong in these uh, people's eyes. You know what I mean? So that's, I feel like that's the theory behind it. But he wasn't paying the girls. They say he was cheap. I could tell he looked cheap. He looked disgusting, and I just don't understand why they would even sleep with him, but that's a whole different topic for another day. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, this, just like any other death of a trans woman, a black trans woman, black trans women, um, it disgusts me. Mm -hmm. And maybe this is one of the motivations why Michigan's doing what it's doing. Yeah. And I really hope other states follow in, in their, you know, furthering of or strengthening mm -hmm. of these hate crimes laws um, because people have to look out for them. And in this case, her family looked out for her. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that is a rarity. That's true. Mm -hmm. I'm like, not even just for the black gay community, but just in general. Yeah. You know, and. <laughs> These pastors, they think they can get away with anything mm -hmm. nowadays. And again, the phrase I like to use, it's all going to come mm -hmm. out of the wash. Here we and here I, I gotta drive this point. I've been saying this all throughout this broadcast. This is why we need at the community, we need to stop bickering about stupid stuff because we have real life in situations, life and death situations like this. And you know, I, I kind of feel like this. I don't know how you guys feel about it. But do you think with the mainstream LGBT community, do you think that they tend to kind of like, you know where I'm about to go, right? I do. As far as people of color in the community, do you think that they kind of overlook this stuff and only, I don't want to say the white LGBT community, but let's just say that, like the mainstream LGBT community, do they tend to um, kind of, I don't know, look past what people of color or black look people, the other way. Yeah. Like, do you feel like that's a thing in our community? Let's just be honest about it. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily that. I think it's that we don't do enough. I don't think it's we're ignoring it or like looking the other way. I just don't think that we're fighting hard enough to stop those things from happening. Ooh. in the community. That's just my opinion. Um, well, I'm going to use 2020 as an example. Um, in Indy, when 
I forget his name. George. George no, no, not George. No, here in Indianapolis. Oh, um, Reed was his last name, I think. Um, Desha- he was Deshaun, Reed? Deshaun Reed. Yeah, yeah. And um, with all of the upheaval that was going on, you know, because you know, sparking, starting with George Floyd, and then mm-hmm. um, just literally exploding across the country and then you know an incident happens in indianapolis that the a lot of people were looking at the lgbt circle city pride as Mm. that because they were really really slow to respond i remember that mess that was a mess and it's almost like they had to be you know pushed Mm. in order to do it so in order to answer that question i don't really want to speculate but at the same time i can't put it past certain members of the white lgbt community Mm. to look you know to overlook it and just kind of look the other way and but when when i when i I don't want to say when a white gay man is murdered, and I'm not going to do any comparisons because any murder is terrible. Yeah, but let's just keep it real, though. I mean, that's what we talk about on this show. We keep it real. We keep it 100 on this show. Um, it's uneven in yeah. terms of Hell yeah. the response, mm-hmm. and we we know. I don't give a bit. You know, I don't care about the people in Indianapolis. Let's just call it what it is. The gay community in Indianapolis has always been problematic. And you know this because remember, we did that interview, uh, I think it was like our third show in when we had uh, Keith Washington yes. give us like the history of the, the gay community in Indianapolis. It's always been problematic. And I, I kind of see with this generation coming up, things are changing because a lot of them are trying to, they, they're not. This this generation that's coming up is a lot better, but I would because I think the changing of the guard is taking place. It is, and I feel that a lot of the old bitter tired queens in the past, um, because because you gay don't mean that you can't be um, biased, like racially mm-hmm. biased. That doesn't mean anything. That it's just your orientation. Mm-hmm. But I think that um, th- this generation is more inclusive. They're more into um, human rights and the rights of other people. And I just kind of feel like something that bothered me back in 2020 when we were dealing with the whole George Floyd situation is like, I'm looking at seeing all these people. When it comes to a spotlight, then they all want to come out. Yeah, they was all marching in the street. I said, but I'm looking how y'all treat the black people in your own community. And uh, it's, it's all for a show. Like, I feel like it was all for a show. And you guys only come out when it's benefiting to you and if there's a spotlight for you or something that will push your uh, narrative or your your whatever. You know what I mean? So I kind of feel like, you know, it's, it's, it's a sad reality, but this is a conversation that we have to have. You know what I mean? We do. And someone, someone I, I want to shout out somebody on Facebook. They just said, yeah, this is so true. It's uneven. So we have to just look at this. I know this is an uncomfortable conversation, but we got to have it. And I'm not going to use my platform to sugarcoat 
or get on here and make people feel good about stuff. If we need to speak out against this because there is a division in our community. And I would have to say this too. There are some problematic black gays in our community that want to assimilate and they don't want to speak out against this stuff. You want to fit in and you know the shit's not right, but yet you want to sit amongst these people and fit in and, and even hate people of your own hue. So that's a lot. Like Indianapolis is very problematic. Um, that's why I don't even go, and I ain't really go here because that's a that's a place here in Indiana. I ain't gonna name no names, but that's why I refuse to go there because they still have that old school mentality. So I I rather deal with the younger generation where they're more inclusive, they're more open minded than deal with these bitter old jaded queens that can't function outside of their circle. They can't, you know. So I don't know. I mean, I don't want to get into, you know, I'm branding at this point, but I just feel like it's a conversation that we have to have. I actually wouldn't mind expanding on that in a future show. A future show. Yeah, we're going to get into that um, because, yeah, yeah, because yeah, that's... I, I think that that's the tip of the iceberg mm-hmm. and, you know, this shit runs deep. Yeah. I hate to, not, you know, I know it's Ooh. PG, but <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with the second part of our show. Um, this this part will um, air live, but we're going to chop it up. So we'll have two. We're going to break this up into two episodes. But um, those that are listening, stay with us. We're going to be right back. And we want to thank everybody so far that have um, tuned in to us. We, we appreciate the support. We've been getting a lot of comments on Facebook. And I want to appreciate all of you guys for chiming in and becoming engaging into the, you know, with the platform. Because we don't want you guys just to sit there and watch. We want you to engage with us. Yes. Because this is for the community. That's why we're doing this. Because we want to have a community dialogue. So continue um, sending in your uh, comments. And we're going to go to a quick break, and then we're going to come back with the remaining portion of our show. Welcome to the Tea Podcast, bringing you the best in news, entertainment, celebrity gossip, social commentary, humor, and LGBTQ lifestyle. This podcast is part of the Urban Wire Media Network, where we shine the light on issues impacting the urban community. We are a 